again from the UK. Uh, this is very, very exciting. Um, you can hear it in my voice, but I'm smiling across my face. Uh, I just completed a lifelong dream, which was to interview one of my heroes uh, who goes by the name of Nelu Farah Hadayat. Um, you'll hear it in a few moments when I uh, when I interview her, um, but this might have been like the most nervous that I've been for an interview so far. Um, you'll again hear about this uh, as, as, uh, as the tape plays, uh, but Nelu Farah is a reporter and broadcaster over here in the UK who really just like discovers stories and brings them to light of um, things that would like otherwise never never come to never come to light. I DM'd her on Instagram like maybe like six months ago and was like, yo, like I'm coming to the UK, like let me just come interview you. And she was like, all right, bet, come to my house. I was like, sweet, that is so kind of you. Um, and then I got there and I just had my phone and she was like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, yeah, that's fair. Um, so she even like let me use her kit uh, let us use like an SD card. She'll actually hate the fact that I'm recording this part on my phone. Um, sorry, no, I got uh, limited resources here over in the UK. But it was such a pleasure to interview Nella Far. Um, you'll learn about her throughout the course of this interview. I don't want to make this claim before you hear it, but this is this is one of the most inspiring guests we've had, and I, I feel so lucky to have have gotten the chance to interview Nell. So, without further ado, um, get ready to hear my nervous ass voice and. Also, get ready to hear one of the coolest people that uh, that you'll ever hear. I am here with uh, Nelufar Hadayat. Uh, I'm actually in the UK right now, believe it or not, uh, in a little home in what neighborhood are we in? Wolf, I'm not even going to try to say that, actually. <laughs> go on, give it a go. All right, all right. I'll try to say it. Oh, Wolfhamstow. Yes! Wolfhamstow? Yeah, there, there's an R in there somewhere. I know that I'm totally missing. <laughs> anyway, uh, Nelufar uh, was first known, uh, to my knowledge, from the documentary Women, uh, Weddings, Wars, and Me. Um, and has since become uh, since become an absolute legend in the UK world of presenting. Uh, I know her from uh, the TV show The Traffickers, which explores all kinds of uh, marginalized groups, uh, specifically who are uh, in the underground world of trafficking. Um, so, Nelly Far, for people who don't know you, um, and just based off the small description that I that I uh, that I said, um, who are you, and uh, what do you do? So first of all, welcome to London. Welcome to England. Thank you so England. much. Thank you so much. It's lovely to have you. And thank you for taking the time to come to my little house in Walthamstow. Well done for pronouncing it correctly. Right. Yeah, so I've been a journalist for 10 years. I do broadcast journalism, which means front of camera. So I started one of my first documentaries, Women, Weddings, War mm. and Me. Um, I took the viewer to my home nation of Afghanistan and we try to understand how women and women's rights has been affected by the occupation and the war on terror that America, uh, the ISAF forces, Britain, France, um, Germany, uh, were conducting there, the operations that they were doing. And being an Afghan born Brit myself, it was a very uh, immediate and close story to me. And that was kind of like the beginning of my career as a journalist. And to your point, like I've done the Traffickers, which is on Netflix right now, if people want to watch it, <laughs> shameless plug. Um, but most of my work focuses on conflict, on um, displacement, 
and on how things connect to one another. So the traffickers, how do black markets evolve? Mm. Um, food Exposed, which is my other series that I did, another eight-part series, um, is about how the global food network is connected and how are we implicated in the abuses mm. and atrocities committed in our name as consumers. So that's kind of like a broad example. But I've like I've written for the Guardian, the Sun. I've worked for the BBC, Nat Geo. I'm I just okay, did. Works the, on me a little bit. Oh, no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Hey, I just want to make you feel insecure. That's all. <laughs> I want to make sure that we know who's alpha here. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, I mean, um, I, I do co-host like the Really Bro podcast. So like, uh, I mean, no, I'm just kidding. No, no, to me, I know my place. Okay, Sammy, I know my place. Um, but I, like, I just did a, a story about, um, religion and ethics, uh, called the story of God with Morgan Freeman on mm. that geo. So I do like a whole, yeah. I'm so fortunate to do like a whole breadth of mm. stuff in my, in my journalism. Yeah. So going off that a little bit, obviously you've been in like a lot of different places and a lot of different, um, sort of subjects as well. Um, how do you decide like what it is that you want to work on? And, and one of the quotes I know that I've heard from an interview from you before is, um, when you discussed, uh, doing what you do because of, of where you come from. Um, and I wonder if you can like speak a little bit to that and how that informs like how you actually choose to act. Sammy, you've done your homework. <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah, so I guess one of the things that I get asked most often like on, in, on, um, on the internet, on Instagram and Twitter and stuff is like, oh my God, that's such a big risk. How are you talking to these people? Or how are you in these war zones? Or, you know, I've been tear gassed. I've been in the middle of... Um, gun fire you know these moments where people are firing at one another and the answer is always my appetite for risk is different because of my background mm. I was born in the Soviet occupation of Afghanistan I understand risk differently to other people and that helps me but my main thing is is like my background as a refugee as an immigrant as a as a brown woman um who you know for all intents and purposes, should be man married with four kids and have no life of her mm. own. Um, I live with that knowledge every single day and that idea of I have been handed this almighty opportunity and my job is to represent and give voice to people who are me, who, 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 who I could have been, who never get that chance. So... This is going to sound so stupid, but honestly, I, I feel like it's my duty. I feel like it's a way that I can go on doing living. Um, and and, and in, in a way for me, oh, again, this is going to sound so stupid, but it's service. It's a way that I can um, speak for my cousins and sisters mm. and aunts and, and, and all the other women and men that don't have the opportunity that I have had. Mm. So my background of being born in a war zone, um, being a refugee and an immigrant has all like almost geared me up to be this nomadic journalist that yeah. travels from here, there and everywhere. Yeah. So uh, it reminds me sort of of this conversation that, that, that I had with one of my friends towards the end of end of the year at Stanford, where we were talking about like, why do we sort of like work as hard as we do? Why do we do what we do? Um, and like the, the only answer that we could come to like from this conversation, we were like, well, it's like, it's just the way it is. Like it was, it was written almost that it had to be this way. Do you feel like your sort of the work and like incredible journey that you've had is almost something that like you had to do? It was almost not, not a choice. It's just the way that things had to be. Right. That's one interpretation. Yeah. But I look at the flip side sure. of it, which I find to be more interesting. So think about 
how fucking unique this whole thing is. The idea of it being serendipity mm. and chance mm. to me is more beautiful than it being fate. Mm. So this little girl born in the literally born in a hospital and sent to my dad's mud hut in Kabul, right? Um, ending up here with this opportunity and a voice, the chances are so tiny yeah. that I just marvel at that. Yeah. To me, that's more beautiful than it being written or fate. Yeah. But it's I the just, flip... That just puts a smile on my face. Like, that's just it's like so it's, beautiful. Yeah. It's the flip side of the yeah. same coin, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Mm. So I guess we're saying the same thing, but for me, it just gives me that like little more push like if it was written, I'd be like, "Hey, man, <laughs> I'm chill. Like, I'm, I'm fine. It's good." But the fact that I think this is such a beautiful coincidence pushes me more and like makes me want to do more. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I love the way that you speak about it because I feel like a lot of people would kind of like look at the hardship that and like sort of things that you've been through and be like, "Oh, that f- sucks." But, like, the way that you speak about it is, like, wow, like, I'm incredibly blessed. Like, that that's just amazing. I feel like oftentimes the people who grow up with the most privilege, like, view life, like, negatively. And I don't know. I mean, that's a simplification. And, yeah. And, and then no, no, no. I, I, yeah, I see sorry. that. So a lot of my – so okay, so you have to understand that the media yeah. industry in the UK, the, mm. the, the, the environment that – like, I went to the Sheffield Doc Festival, which is, like, a very big festival mm. where, as a documentary filmmaker, I get to hang around with all the people that I yeah. love and admire and yeah. I work with. Um, they're all, look, a lot of them are the same type of person. Mm. They are middle class or upper class, privately educated, uh, Oxbridge going, um, white males. Mm. And it's rare to find women and people of color yeah. thriving in this industry. Yeah. To the point where I made a documentary for Fusion, Sammy, right? Mm-hmm. And the documentary was about maternal mortality in America having more negative birth outcomes, four times more mm-hmm. for black women than white women. And that's yeah. that's accounting for education, wealth, and like geography, mm-hmm. if you live in a rich neighborhood or a poor neighborhood. You're still gonna have a shitty birth outcome, yeah. right? That's crazy. It's crazy. So I'm like, a black woman should make this, right? Like, yeah. duh, of course a black woman should. Do you know how much I struggled to find a, a, a young black woman yeah who has the repertoire I need to make this caliber of, I couldn't, in the end, we had to like get someone, one of my friends, Latanya, who was an AP at the time, so an associate producer, Mm. and we literally like cradled her from Mm. this documentary Mm. to to the edit, to the post-production, because, you know, if we, if I didn't give her that opportunity then, if I didn't hire her, when I need another woman, a black woman, there, person there of color, no there's no, no. So we, this is the point I'm trying to make that my industry is very homogenous, yeah. and it's my responsibility and our responsibility, and what you're doing as well is so crucial to break those barriers mm. as a man and as a woman, as as people that we face, and to embrace that, like to jump into it yeah. first. Yeah. Okay. I want to shift gears a little bit to something that you mentioned super briefly, which was this word of like accountability. Right. So I think a lot of people sort of look at the work that, and the things that you've done, you know, exploring the, the underworld, exploring the black market as things that are like completely separate to their lives. They're like, well, like I don't engage in the black market. So like, this is none of my business. Like I don't have to worry about this. I haven't bought a baby this year. (laughs) Exactly. So like, what is this going to do with me, Nelly? Exactly. Exactly. Um, but one of the things that you kind of have said a lot and, um, you know, have given a lot of evidence for is, well, actually, no, you are still culpable. 
And thinking about that is like a scary thing. Cause like, well, I don't want to be culpable, you know? Um, but how, how are like the average consumer, specifically like the average consumer American and like people in the West, um, culpable in the issues that you speak about? And then what can they do to change that? Right. I mean, I have made eight hours of content trying to address that. So like watch that first of <laughs> sure, all, sure. but Sammy, seeing as you have seen the traffickers, I think, so my main thing is, is my, I always find my job as a, I'm an immersive journalist, if we were going to put it in any terms, as someone who immerses herself in the story, not just tells you, but tells you how she feels about it. Um, my job is to grab you by the hand and take you to places you would never get to go. That's my job. That's mm -hmm. what I do. So I will show you worlds, worlds and I will take you through doors that you would never get to go through, right? So a part of that is to bring you into places that make you uncomfortable, that make you squirm, that make your palms sweaty, and that make your heart feel really heavy. Mm. That's, my, that's mm. what I want to do. I want you to watch one of my friend's films and walk away going, like, how the can I do something about mm. it? So that's the first thing to say about that. The second thing to say is that just because we can't all give a year of our time to go and work for Extinction Rebellion or to go and like uh, caucus for a certain progressive, you know, politician or whatever the f doesn't mean we can't do what we can do. Mm. And to me, it's being the bridge between that deficit. So there's the willpower of people who are listening right now who are like, man, I want to do something about this thing that she said or she, she, she um, points out. And then the bit where we solve the problem. My, I want to see a change in that. That's where my thing is. So I want to cultivate that intention. And I think the best way to do it is to tell an earnest, authentic, truthful, like account of what I saw. Mm. None of the stuff that you will ever see me do is scripted. Mm. None of it. Never. None of it's scripted. None of it's scripted. That's absolutely crazy. Never. What do you think that like allows you to do that, you know, scripted journalists? Because there's a ton of a scripted journalist that allows you to do that they aren't able to do. I think, um, I think also this is why a lot of American sort of production companies hire Brits because we, cause, cause we have different standards, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. We are upheld, like in Britain, we have Ofcom who are our regulators mm -hmm. and the standards are high. And so they should be. As yeah. journalists, we yeah. are the guardians. We are the fifth, fourth estate. You know, mm -hmm. we are the guardians of, of storytelling, of narratives. And those are the most powerful things that human beings have, mm -hmm. storytelling. Like, yeah. we have been doing that since before we could write, before we could think, we've been telling each other stories. So, as a journalist, like, f for me, my job is to, is to bring you in authentically and convey a point effectively. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm trying to do. And, like... That's interesting, though, because I think a lot of, like, journalists in the US or, like, on network television would say that it's not to like drive a point through they'd say it's just like tell you the facts and that's something that i find is like super engaging about your work is like you don't shy away from your emotions at all like you're very clear about like what you think about what you're seeing is that like is that a conscious choice and do you think there are like merits to that that outweigh um sort of like ob just giving it like objective facts yeah so just to answer your previous point, sure, like yeah, the reason yeah. my stuff is unscripted, no, 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 because they, they are linked to one another. Mm -hmm. The reason my stuff is unscripted is because if I was to spend time writing it by committee, where's the authenticity? Mm -hmm. Then I'm, I could just write a really good print article, yeah. right? So for me, the medium of documentary making and for you to see what I have seen through my eyes is a different thing altogether. Sammy, the days of like a 60 something year old, with all due respect to you, white man sure. standing there in his car 
sweatpants in my hometown of Kabul and telling us what for and what to whilst burning in the background and people's lives are being destroyed are over. Welcome to 2019. Well, they should be over. Well, they are, because now journalists have, you have to, it is more than just, in this day and age where like news and where the news media is so infiltrated mm. by people who want to coerce, want to co-opt that kind of space, it's our job to be authentic first and foremost. Yeah. Because facts are no longer sacred. Mm. Anyone who sat there like, I watch some of these American news shows and they're like, yeah, facts, facts, we're all about facts. It's like, facts are malleable things. Mm. Like, especially in an age where we live such complex. That can be used dangerously too though, which is a scary thing. Right. Yeah. So then what do we have? We have the ability to A, present evidence and B, be mm. authentic yeah. in our presenting yeah. that evidence. I'm not driven by any political agenda. Like I have voted in a billion different ways in mm. elections, right? I don't vote for a party. I yeah. vote for a bunch of policies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, being authentic means being able to speak from your heart in a constructive, articulate way. And I don't, if I, if I feel the need as I'm watching a baby rhino carcass disintegrate to cry, I'm gonna cry. And, and I, I, there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Yeah. Do you see that surprises you anymore? <laughs> That's a good question. Not to switch gears too much, but. <laughs> Do I see you know, a lot of shit. <laughs> This is it. I'm just like, yeah. Um, I think, I think what always surprises me, and this is genuine, genuinely sure. like true, is I go on these like huge trips where I'm visiting 20, 30 countries at a time. And I come back home. And I'm left hopeful. Um, You're left hopeful. Yeah. After like completing like the traffickers, like, the traffickers, like one some of the saddest things like in the world to yeah. see. You were, like, like I met people trafficking babies. I met I met women who who have been mutilated. Yeah. I met. The first scene I saw like of you it was like a clip on YouTube of you interviewing like a dog trafficker, like someone who steals dogs and then makes sure that they die. Oh no, and then I watched him cook him. Right, that's insane. Right. Like, that's crazy. But I walk away from that, like, see, because that's what you see, whereas I sure. see someone desperate, yeah. trying to make a living to feed his two kids mm. and his baby mom, mm. right? And what he's doing is heinous, it's appalling, mm. but it's our job to give him better opportunities. But he was forced to do that, he was, right? Yeah, Which I think and, is really, really but there's, the a, there's a really like, there's a really like um, important line here where like, I'm not here saying, oh, just because you were told to press the button on the gas chamber, you're not culpable for what sure, you did. Sure. That's a no, okay? You know what you're doing there. But what I'm saying is when we have these complex situations mm. where a poacher, a gold trafficker, um, or someone who traffics in women, the question isn't, the point isn't you're a bad person. Okay, we know you're a bad person. The question is what led you here and what can we do about mm. it? So the thing that I find most surprising in a lot of the journeys that I go on and a lot of the films that I make is I come away thinking, you know what? People, if given the opportunity, Sammy, always try to do good. Yeah. You can talk about like some of the most conflicted and tainted traffickers and true bad guys but given the opportunity not to do harm they would yeah. so long as it's beneficial to them yeah in their pursuit of happiness mm -hmm. right 
I took a class this earlier this year um, called Evil, and it was all about like, yes, like evil, but more so like what forces people to become evil. Right. And like I, I remember like the final paper that um, that I wrote and ended up presenting to class is like, evil is a thing that exists, mm-hmm. but is not a type of person that exists. And like I, I really do think that there are like some like some people who would do more evil given like some circumstances than other people in that same scenario and some people who would do more good than other others in that scenario but it's like kind of a beautiful idea that like we can create systems where people aren't evil or we can create systems where people are evil like that's scary too so here's a little tidbit and and i don't know where you want to go from here but like i was trafficked into this country Mm. i committed essentially a crime yeah it's a a civil crime but i committed a crime Right, so I have a personal connection yeah. to this issue. Yeah. Am I a human being, a crime? Mm. Could we say that I am, I, I, I might have broken man-made laws by coming here, but my alternative was to live under the Taliban. And, and you've made this country better by being here, they, like, they, you know? Like, let's just say I was I mean, a sh- you know, Let's yeah. just pretend I was a sh- refugee. Sure. The point is, is do I not get the opportunity of, like, of, of, of saving myself mm. because it's inconvenient mm. to the civil laws of Britain? Fuck, that's, that's a really difficult question, especially you know, when you scale it to like a governmental sense of yeah, like what should be legal. But I, yeah. don't, I don't think we have to answer these things mm. in huge swathes. I, sure. think, I think, especially with what's happening in America at the moment, we answer the call and the, mm. and the situation of the time, mm. right? Laws were written by men. They can be changed by men and women. Yeah. That's our job. That's- it's a beautiful right yeah, yeah. so it's fine like we can change our minds about immigration yeah. and quotas and all this and hostile environments like it's our job to respond to the calling of the time yeah so um you know as i said i don't vote for a political party i vote for perspectives yeah. and policies and i think that's important for people watching like whatever it is that you do i really hope you listen to this like maybe watch some of my stuff or not but just find the thing that no, you definitely are... watch it definitely watch it <laughs> like watch it it's fine <laughs> they're good they're good um but if but whatever it is like i want people to walk away from here going hey man i'm a bit jazzed like yeah. i have this thing i care about i want to invest a bit more time into yeah. it yeah um okay we've got to finish up but i have like two more incredibly important questions for you Go. what is one thing you want people to know um that you think like people are pretty oblivious to and that you've found that's um, a lot of pressure. Okay. <laughs> and this is going out in America? Yeah. Okay, all right. Um, 99.9% of all the animals farmed in America are in factory farms. It's pretty wild. And I feel bad about all the McDonald's I ate growing up. <laughs> <laughs> me too, man. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> trust me. Like, I feel shit about it. Yeah. But that's a, that's a startling fact. So, like, yeah. all these people who are like, oh, my God, no humane animal slaughter. I'm like, You're sit down let me (laughs) let me tell you a thing let me tell you a thing (laughs) oh my god that's incredible okay and then going off that i'm basically just asking you to get more and more extreme but um what is one hot take you have and if you're not familiar with that term it might just be an american term i have no idea what that means oh my god that's crazy what's a hot take oh that's it's maybe it's it's like such an american thing what is that it's like your most controversial opinion or like like usually it's like it's like fun like mine my go-to hot take is that like is that like pineapples belong on pizza like that that's that's like my one of the things i crusade like like pizza without pineapples is not nearly as good as pineapple as pineapples with pizza i mean you're 100 percent correct oh my so god that's really all i need um okay a hot take you say 
Um, I it's guess really so okay <laughs> my hot take would be that it is okay for a 31-year-old progressive woman like me to like unicorns and pink things what? and it is okay and we can celebrate it and we don't have to hide from our like of unicorns that's my thing like that's leave amazing. me alone i'm looking around the apartment for like unicorn related attire <laughs> i'll show you all my <laughs> unicorns it's hidden somewhere. like it's yeah. properly <laughs> hidden yeah like i'm still embarrassed about it um that's amazing well no far thank you so much for joining me for hosting me um and i i feel very grateful to have have met you and um everybody please go check out all of no far's content thank you so much Laws were written by men and can be changed by men and women. If given the option, people will choose to do good and be good. Sammy does his homework. Nelufar Hadayat is a true bro. And arguably most importantly, a 30-year-old is allowed to like unicorns. So back off, haters. Hold me tighter than your clutch Never.